episode 126. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me your host Connor Hanmerty. I hope this episode finds you well in the middle of this global situation and I must confess that I'm very glad to have our weekly time together to keep a shape on my time. Having something to focus on and look forward to is certainly a help to me and I hope you're enjoying it too. We've begun Act 4, Scene 5, and tension is immediately high as Horatio attempts to convince Gertrude to let Ophelia come in and see her. We ended last time with the command, let her come in, which direction suggests that it is Horatio who exits and goes to fetch the young woman. So Gertrude has a few lines to herself, and to us. In the aside, she says, To my sick soul, as sin's true nature is, each toy seems prologue to some great amiss. So full of artless jealousy is guilt, it spills itself in fearing to be spilt. Gertrude speaks quite eloquently here about how guilt can affect a person. She's talking about herself and is clearly quite rattled. Since the play, and Claudius's reaction to it, and Polonius's demise, and her very difficult conversation with Hamlet, she's obviously had a great deal to think about. In her mind, or as she describes it, her sick soul, every trivial little thing, every toy, seems to announce a much bigger problem. Each toy seems prologue to some great amiss. She's aware that sin is like a sickness, and so the true nature of sin is to infect her mind like this, She has so many secrets to keep that it seems to her as though every new thing that happens is the beginning of the end. She's saying that guilt is so messy and so greedy for attention that very often we betray our guilt simply because of our paranoia at being found out. It spills itself in fearing to be spilt. Of course, hers isn't the only mind infected, and now Ophelia enters. I think it's a major challenge for any performer taking on this role differentiating the various times at which we meet her. The first scene with Laertes and Polonius needs, I feel at least, to show us who Ophelia is before things go so wrong for her. Of course, even then she has already known death, since her mother is so obviously absent. But if she's rattled and distracted at the beginning, there's not much else for her to explore. From her first words here, we know that her noble mind is overthrown, The first quarto suggests that she enters carrying a lute and singing, while the folio merely says she is distracted. She enters and immediately asks, Where is the beauteous majesty of Denmark? Even here there are a great many options available. It could be that she doesn't recognise Gertrude, or that's a way of showing that she's mad because Gertrude is standing in front of her. And Gertrude could of course be interpreted as the beauteous queen or majesty. It could also be that she means Claudius, and that she's speaking figuratively, looking for the current wearer of the beauteous crown of Denmark. In any case, this is not the Ophelia we've already met. Gertrude can only ask, how now, Ophelia? Whether or not she's actually carrying a lute, Ophelia now does the unthinkable and bursts into song. This would be most inappropriate for a lady of her breeding at court, but it's an immediate way for Shakespeare to show that she has abandoned all regular behaviour. The same stage direction that gives her a lute also tells us that her hair is undone. Just as she's let loose her tresses, so she's letting herself loose. 
It's quite fascinating that Shakespeare has her sing here. We've already been warned that the random utterances coming from her mouth could be misinterpreted, so we are almost expecting her to say something inappropriate. Instead, she sings. There hasn't really been a note of music in the play, with the exception perhaps of the king's rouse all the way back in Act One. By singing instead of speaking, Ophelia is communicating in an entirely different way. Now, I'm not about to sing for you now myself, but the words of what Ophelia sings are equally important. How should I your true love know from another one? By his cockle hat and staff and his sandal shoon. This little verse is from a well-known folk tune all about pilgrims heading for Walsingham. In the show notes for this episode, I'll include a link to a recording of the song so you can get an idea of its tune. Lovers in Shakespeare are often equated with pilgrims, none perhaps more beautifully than in Romeo and Juliet in the sonnet that the lovers share when they first meet. Here, Ophelia mentions all of the distinctive items that would identify a pilgrim, a staff, sandal shoes or shoon in the old-fashioned plural that the song uses, and a hat bearing a cockle shell, which is the emblem of Santiago de Compostela in Spain. This was and is a famous site of pilgrimage. The Way of St. James, better known as the Camino, was the route of pilgrimage from southern France across northern Spain to the resting place of St. James, also known as St. Jacques or St. Jacques in Shakespearean pronunciation, or Santiago. Whether or not you're familiar with the tune or its lyrics, it is a bizarre thing for Ophelia to be singing. But, like Hamlet's antic disposition, there may be a method in this madness. She's singing about her missing lover. Is he absent because he's gone on a pilgrimage? We all know that Hamlet has been sent away for killing her father, so there's a terribly bitter irony to the song. There's an entire spectrum of awareness for Ophelia to play here. Is it just a song that's stuck in her distracted head? Or is she singing because at some deeper level she knows there's a connection between Hamlet's absence and her father's death? Gertrude, whom we know is already feeling guilty, tries to play it cool and asks, Alas, sweet lady, what imports this song? She's asking why Ophelia is singing this song. What does it mean? Ophelia is none too happy at being interrupted. Say you? Nay, pray you, mark... What are you asking, she's saying. No, she says, pray you, mark. It's not quite as blunt as shut up and listen, but it might as well be. Gertrude has spoken in perfectly measured verse, but Ophelia is communicating in her own register. So she sings some more. He is dead and gone, lady. He is dead and gone. At his head a grass-green turf, at his heels a stone. If we are somewhat able to associate the first verse with Hamlet, this second one applies far more to her dead father, Polonius. He is indeed dead and gone. There is some evidence that the scene was revised over the years across the different editions and versions of the text. Different quartos and the folio all have Claudius entering at different times here. The first quarto has him on stage from the beginning of the scene, although he can slip in quietly at any point over the next few lines which continue much the same. Gertrude tries again to interrupt the song, saying, Nay, but Ophelia. And Ophelia again shushes her, once again saying, Pray you, Mark. She starts a third verse of her song, continuing to sing about death. 
white his shroud as the mountain snow. But Gertrude once again interrupts, this time to speak to Claudius, who is well and truly on stage by now. There's plenty more singing and speaking to come in the scene, but we'll leave it there for now and continue it next time. As I mentioned, there'll be a link to a recording of the song Walsingham on the show notes page of the website, thehamletpodcast.com, as well as the segment from Romeo and Juliet that I mentioned. If you've subscribed to the podcast in iTunes or Google or elsewhere, you'll get notifications whenever a new episode appears, so you'll know already that there are two new mini-series underway within the podcast. Every Thursday, there'll be a new episode of The Basics, covering bite-sized aspects of how Shakespeare works, And then on Saturdays, you'll get each new episode of our book club as we go through all of Shakespeare's other plays. Keep your eye out this coming week because there might be even more surprises coming your way. You can stay up to date on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, all at Hamlet Podcast. And I hope you'll continue to tune in every Sunday. Thank you for your company and I'll speak to you next time.